You're listening to Integrating Sacred Wisdom Podcast. I call on the guardian of the East, Raphael, element of air. Come and be welcomed. Call upon the guardian of the South, Michael, element of fire. Come and be welcomed. I call on the guardian of the West, Gabriel, element of water. Come and be welcomed. I call on the guardian of the north, Uriel, element of earth, come and be welcome. And we are your hosts. I'm Kelly Hauk, founder of Sacred Arts Sanctuary in West Sedona and also Heart Space Retreats. And I am Priscilla Hadway, founder of Sacred Remembering Sound Healing in Sedona, Arizona, and ascensionprovisions.com. I'm Matthew David Cummings with Above So Curio and Purify by Fire. And I'm Anna Marstanovich with Heart Space Retreats in Sedona and also High Desert Healing Massage and Bodywork. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our next episode. This is Integrating Sacred Wisdom Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the energy body. So we know a lot about the physical body, as well as the emotional body and the mental body, but the energy body goes beyond these denser energies and into the body's subtle energy systems. Today, we'll be talking about what these subtle energies are and how we can recognize them within ourselves to achieve greater physical and spiritual wellness. So some of the energy body systems that uh, people are most familiar with is like the auric fields, uh, which uh, you can actually train yourself to be able to see in and on yourself or uh, through others. Obviously, it's a skill that you have to develop, uh, but everyone has an auric field, and we all come up and shine differently um, depending on where our body is physically in the energetic spectrum or where we are spiritually and how advanced or what aspects we're working on. Um, but one thing that does affect our auric fields that is also something that is commonly known or talked about in the spiritual field are our chakras. And uh, throughout time, we've had different understandings of chakras uh, depending on what what part of the world you were in, um, you know whether or not they were even called chakras. That's just kind of a generalized term that we've accepted. Um, and how many, where they're located, and what they're responsible for. Even the colors um, have changed uh, due or towards you know our understanding that we have in modern day to what they were at one time uh, thought to be. Does anybody have? Yeah. As far as the colors, whenever I work with clients on chakra balancing, for example, I tell them not to get hung up on the colors. The colors are just kind of an easy way for us to remember it. You know, yeah. Roy G. Biff, uh, red, orange, yellow, blue, and so on. And it's just an easy visualization to put your focused intention on the area of the chakra. Um, in ancient texts, I think the colors were way different. Yeah. Or maybe even not even mentioned. They were. I think that may be due to uh, just the, the collective consciousness level and where our physical bodies were as it, 
in association to our spiritual bodies at the time and how they integrated. And those colors were probably coming through differently and viewed differently due to the level of consciousness at the time. Um, I'm sure there are other aspects, but I know for me, when I try to meditate, I, the, the colors are very, very specific. And um, I was I was shocked to hear that anyone else had um, an experience that was different from mine. I thought, you know, all the the diagrams would be the same or whatnot. And one thing that I come up that's different from me um, to other people are the third eye and the crown. And in the third eye, from my perspective, is always like an indigo kind of purple. Uh, and the crown would be uh, very pure white. Same. Um, however, a lot of texts uh, and a lot of older texts and even some of newer texts and some of the people that I've encountered uh, experience the crown as the indigo purple and the third eye to be more of a blue, uh, like a deeper royal blue I, as the throat is more traditionally the blue one, but it's a lighter blue. Um, but that's not my experience. So I was, I was shocked to see that that interpretation was different. I mean, the crown and the third eye are pretty close to each other, so I could see how you could integrate those colors differently. But I mean, for me, the crown is pure, pure white. Does anybody have... Yeah, kind of like yeah. a halo is how I see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, tr intradurally white. Really yeah, pearly white. white. Yeah. And it extends out quite a bit further for me than some of the other chakras, which extend like front and back, kind of like a conical shape. Whereas the crown for me is is more like a halo. Yeah, it's like coming in yeah. from the top, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, now it brings up another point, too. There are uh, how many chakras is also something that's changed throughout time or, or, or region and understanding Um for a while, there were five and seven, um, and then now I think most commonly accepted is like 12. You get up mm. into the higher dimensional um, like chakra Earth, system. Earth star yeah. and because of, there's some below us, orbit chakra and some yeah. feet. I, I think the, the past seven, so the seven are what's kind of like the physical ones that are anchored into the physical body and then as you go higher from the seven then you're getting into the different um, layers of your energy fields i'm not sure how exactly those break down but i think we have we touched on a little bit about those the other systems what's interesting for me with the chakras is that they start denser at the base right at the bottom you have the root, if, if we're not talking about the ones even below that, just the seven major ones. And as you work your way up, the energy becomes lighter and more subtle and less physical, more emotional, and then more mental, and then, you know, beyond that, more spiritual as well. Um, so I always tell people to, to envision it like that. And you could also incorporate the elements into the chakra system, too. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the way that I work with it with my clients is I tell them, 
Um, like, for example, the root chakra is associated with the color red or sometimes even black, you know, the denser, heavier colors and also the element of earth. So, you know, put your feet in the earth, mm -hmm. go for a hike, go walking. And that helps them kind of figure out, OK, this is an actionable way that I can focus on this chakra. But then I also tell them the attributes of the chakra, you know, the, the earth element or I mean, sorry, the, the root chakra is associated with stability, family, your ancestral healing, things like that. Your primal instincts, yeah. Fears, things like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, we have the red. Um, the red is, it, yeah, like you said, the root and then uh, even the name for it, root, um, it, it can help you uh, visualize uh, that actionable part of that chakra. So that's most associated with grounding or um, feeling earth energy or um, channeling to the, you know, the earth's core or uh, experiencing or manifesting uh, like Gaia energy. Um, or even clearing, like when we're clearing ourselves, but, you know, and a grounding sort of practice, um, connecting to that root chakra is vital. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to somebody who who's just getting started out with maybe the chakras, but just the energetic system as a whole, and they're wondering, how do I know if something needs balancing? How do I sense my energy body? Well, for me, um, I used to train a lot of students when I was teaching in massage schools um, how to feel energy, how to feel their own energy and things like that. So I would basically teach them how to um, just gain the sensitivity to it because a lot of times, you know, it's just more so developing the sensitivity first to be able to feel energy. So the first practice that I have students do is I just bring in a balloon and I have them get used to the feeling of the static on the balloon. And when you start getting used to that, I have them bring in awareness, like feeling the static on the back of their hand as they're putting their hand over it, even if the palm is facing down towards the balloon, and then feeling the static kind of move around the body, and then closing their eyes and feeling the balloon um, going up their arm so that they could feel that sensation. And then I have them work with a partner and they would start doing that with each other and start feeling almost like that static energy of their partner's energy and getting used to that sensation. And usually I'll have them, if they're having a hard time with that sensitivity, like rub their hands together just to stimulate the nerves in their hands and then give it a couple seconds so the nerves calm down a little bit and then try to do it where you hold one hand still and the other hand is moving and trying to feel that other hand moving from your other hand and then try to feel it with you know, another student. It's where they would hold their hand still and you would move the hand around. They would try to feel it with their still hand. So that was early practices on how I would teach new um, therapists how to feel other people's energy. And then I would bring them into the their awareness of their own energy body and um, feeling the energy um, flow through them. And so the chakra system... Um, I would just bring them up their awareness usually first on the third eye because that's the easiest to feel immediately because it's not really an area we're used to like putting um, awareness to 
And so, because we feel our chakras all the time, it's always subconscious for us. We're always feeling our chakras. Um, I mean, there's a reason why people say, oh, there's a lump in my throat, you know, and we're having a hard time talking and it feels like our throat is completely closing up when we're emotional about something we can't express. We're feeling our throat chakra um, vibrate at that point and is out of balance at that point. And so you could feel your energy centers being affected by emotions coming up. And so when I have them bring their awareness to their third eye, what I have them do is just um, either like put their finger on their third eye, which is right in between their eyebrows, just a little bit higher, um, and then just get used to the sensation of feeling their finger there, and then just release from that area and just sit down and focus on it. And once they start focusing in on it, I have them then picture it moving. And once they start picturing it, usually then they start feeling the chakra actually moving because it typically will spin clockwise. Sometimes it'll go counterclockwise depending on what's going on with them energetically, but typically it's running clockwise and they could feel it that way. Yeah, that's a great exercise. That actually takes me back to massage school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the first things they had us do is um, tap into our energy body. Yeah. And it's very interesting because... I always end up with the uh, students in class that are like, oh, well, um, you know, people say that you could feel energy and stuff. I think I it's just not for me. I, I don't think I'll ever feel it and stuff. And then I got them like, whoa, I could feel this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's always interesting to find the uh, ones that either just don't believe in it. I said, well, it's it's still a part of our senses. We just yeah. forget. About yeah. Animals do it. Yeah. Your intuition well, getting a bad vibe or a bad feeling from somebody, that's thats your intuitive senses. That's a subtle energy. We all know what it feels like when somebody's... Yep. Feel someone in the room. Sure. I mean, I, I, you can hone that to the point of somebody thinking about you. Mm -hmm. And and you, you can feel that energetic interruption into your energy. And that's really, really bizarre and really fascinating when you get confirmation when that... Uh, happens a lot. I mean, and I'm sure, especially in the technological age that we have now, you know, I didn't grow up with a cell phone, but, you know, I'll be damned if, you know, you take your phone out and you, know, you get a, you get a text message or you get a call or something just preemptively, be, you know, before you take your, your phone out or, or whatnot, or the person you're thinking about, yeah, calls you seconds later. Just... Yeah. Oh, that's right. And this guy texted you. <laughs> See, it happens so often. I don't even, you know, I didn't think about what well, you from a dead yeah. sleep at 5 a.m. That's right. Because <laughs> you guys are energetically connected. <laughs> yeah. So, can we talk about the aura a little bit? Matt mentioned the auric field. Yeah, I mean, I'm. it's still kind of. A uh, mysterious thing uh, that's not, we're still studying it um, and how it manifests. Um, and I find it interesting. There, there are a lot of intuitives that will read auras and they get impressions. Um, and I'm always kind of fascinated to find out if it's what they're interpreting is has to do with the color or if it's more of 
uh, a feeling or how strongly that comes through and everybody's different. I, there's no one answer that I find unilaterally. And um, so you get things like uh, Krillian photography, uh, which was uh, a German scientist who was able to uh, use uh, f- photographics, uh, I guess, interpretation or a simulation almost of picking up the energy body through uh, reading uh, sensors that you place your hand on uh, and and it, that translates into the body's uh, energy fields and uh, actually allows it to be developed on film. Um, and now we have a lot of uh, more digital ways of doing that. So you, you can do it with a digital camera um, and, and, and a program, but that's more of an interpretation. But then, you know, then you get into like sensors and, and then algorithms, you know, and what, what the difference is between that. So I'm not sure which is more accurate or which is more of an interpretation, um, but I find that the ones that are done with the actual photography, um, there's more of a, I don't know, there's more of a classic feel to it. Uh, it feels more genuine. And not to say that the other one was, is wrong, but uh, there's something about seeing, you know, your picture and your auric field actually developing on real film, you know, and that's something that we've, we're kind of losing in the technological age. But um, it's interesting to see people's auras um, or aura photography before and afters when they have healing sessions, energy healing sessions, journey sessions, or even massage um, or meditation. Yeah, meditation definitely is uh, drastically can alter uh, the way that your auric field is interpreted. Um, through that. And I mean, I'm sure that physically manifests as well, physically or mentally or spiritually, you know, those practices, you can genuinely feel a change and that translates um, pretty standardly across all people into the auric field. It's always interesting. I used to experiment a lot with aura photos, um, and I've done like the traditional ones with an actual camera and um, the digital ones that you talk about as well. And so I have like many different photos of like my aura being taken. And um, I used to experiment and like try to call in like one of my guides to like see if they would energetically. Sh- I actually did. Ha- sure. I'll just- it's very fast. I'm like in some of the things. Yeah. It's, just, it's interesting how we do. I used to play with it a lot um, a long time ago and then moved on to other things. But I know, like, especially when I was younger, probably like 16, 17 years old, it was something very um, strong for me on being able to see with people. Sure. To see their oh, tangible. Yeah. It's tangible proof that that uh, element of our universe exists. Exactly. And um, I remember I would sit in my car and like have the light on inside the car and I would like show people like just how the lighting like at night um, would 
almost perfectly display how your aura would look. Yeah. And then I would teach him how to look at it, just like looking through my um, centers of my fingers. Sure. And just teaching people how to see their auras. And I remember um, I would see it also a lot as people would walk by. I would almost see like a trail of mm-hmm. a tracer. Yeah, yeah. I love too. I find a lot of people um, have an easier time picking it up on trees. Yeah, trees um, are beautiful. Before, yeah, before um, actual people. And plants, too. Yeah, plants, mm-hmm. sure. Um, like just little tiny plants, little baby ones, trees. Um, and so what's interesting is before I even got into the shamanic work that I do, I remember always whenever I would see people's auras, and it would just be like, you know, I would just be spacing out at work and not paying attention and someone would walk past my cubicle back when I used to work finance. Um, and I would see like weird attachments on them. And I'd be like, what is that? And it would look like almost like a little ball, like a little black ball on them. And I'm like, what is that? And now that I'm in the shamanic practice, I know what they are. They're attachments on people and no. know how to remove them and stuff. But it was very interesting because it used to confuse me like, what is this like in their energy body? Like why would they have be there. So it was very or, yeah why would they why would you allow something like that to be stuck to you <laughs> so it was very fascinating like seeing it before i understood what it was and so um it's just interesting stuff to that i played with a lot when i was younger and didn't have any clue what any of it meant i know a lot of people um especially when i was teaching these classes on like how to feel your energy body and things like that um i would get always the comments of well they did those studies where they would have psychics who say they can read auras um, stand in front of a screen and have people walk by and they would try to tell when they were walking by and nobody was getting it accurate and so it's interesting um to hear it in that way of like how much of it is seeing it physically attached to the body how much of it is like radiating past their body so that you could see them walk by um, behind a screen. Um, I've never seen it in like a very large layer. Um, I've always seen it just right up against the skin. Yeah. And then when I'm walking, I usually saw it as like a little tracer a little bit, like almost like smoke behind them as they walked. Wow. And that was usually my experience with it. So I don't know. See, and I've had different experiences with that as well. I don't see it uh, as drastically like with my eyes open, but reading auric fields with my eyes closed through, um, you know, through an intuitive sense, through the, the third eye, um, is is vastly different. Um, but I, I don't necessarily see it as it shows up in aura photos. It's similar, but usually they're very, there's one dominating color uh, for an individual, um, wherein or photography, you get multiple colors. I well, depending on the individual, uh, multiple colors and multiple integrations of those colors, and you can actually see how pure the colors are, and if they're muddy or or dark, dingy or or dim. Um, and that's not something that I can perceive through, you know, my in my intuitive eye. Um, but you said whether you could see somebody walking past something um, 
just by their their aura is that you saying the study yeah it was like they were saying that um and i i didn't ever look up the study but people had talked about it where yeah i guess they had like a screen or something up yeah and then they would have the psychics sit in front of the screen and the person would be on the other side and they would have to tell them when that person crossed in front of them yeah and it's not denigrating their abilities Too early or too late? Or does we're probably both? Well, probably both because the toroidal field yes. extends at least six feet well, around I, us. That's what I was going to say. When I am uh, in meditation, I used to meditate in public a lot, and so I would get to these states where I could see people's aura that were around me, you know, with my eyes closed, and a lot of times I would open my eyes to you know, try to validate, you know, what I was seeing or um, better understand what I was seeing. And a lot of times I would see people that weren't there yet or people that were there before. Yeah. And so, I yeah, the time was different in, in how uh, I was able to inter- intuitively read that. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that they don't, they couldn't see it or read it um, with their physical eyes as well. That they're probably having the same issue. It's very fascinating. So I would definitely like to look up the study sometime and just see about it. But I just know from my own personal experience what I've seen and felt. So everybody would be different, I suppose. Everyone's intuition is different as well. So yeah, and the, the aura you mentioned, Kelly, can get a little gunked up, right? Depending on what's going on with us, can have some sort of attachments or rips or holes or tears. And that all sounds really scary and everything, but it's just part of life. Yeah, it's common. <laughs> I mean, you don't, if if your auric field was perfect, then... Um, you're enlightened. Yeah, you're you, would, enlightened being. you would be the embodiment of, uh, you know, one of the the, the great archetypes that we have throughout time as examples um, I think it's just it's natural uh, you, you can't have a physical body and you know nobody has a perfect physical body so you're, nobody's going to have a perfect energy body either yeah exactly and that's I mean that's where we seek out energy healing um, some of these energetic practices that we that we have to offer like Reiki or Shamanic journeying even can remove some of those issues. Yeah, like Kelly was saying, teaching people how to feel, how to scan, read, how to scan your body is so extremely vitally important. Mm-hmm. And um, for for you know the last hundred years, we've had um, you know kind of anything on this subject completely. Um, removed from, you know, public education, you know, uh, even at one point when they were allowing kids to do meditation, uh, they weren't allowed to call it meditation or they weren't allowed to call uh, and the yoga practices yoga or use any of the Sanskrit uh, terminology because that was infringing on uh, some sort of 
almost religious aspect. And it's really sad because I think I, I personally would have benefited extremely if somebody had taught me how to read my energy body when I was a kid. Yeah. It could have saved me a lot of grief yeah, later on. Because you would have been able to express yourself probably in, in yeah. more accurate ways. Yeah. Sure. In ways beyond our emotions or our thoughts or our physical sensations. Yeah. Sometimes you can't really quantify it in those ways. Well, and I think also with that, um, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with our generation and just when it was ready for that. But I mean, even now, um, things are still like kind of like the skies. Sure. Just more. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet time. My sister um, is a counselor, and it's interesting talking to her about um, the work that she does because what she talks about is very shamanic. And I'll mention it to her. And she's like, no, no, it's just mindfulness because she's, she's very like Lutheran, like conservative Christian. So anytime I mention anything spiritual, she's like, oh, no, 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 it's not that. And I'm like, no, you're kind of doing exactly what I'm doing. And you're just not calling it something different. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting how um, it's kind of finding its way into things, but it's using a different label now. It's westernizing. Yeah, yeah. I guess. One of my teachers that I have, she trained... Um, I believe it's Ghana. She spent months with a tribe in Ghana, a tribal elder there that was teaching her all of their systems and beliefs. And one of the things that she um, told me last weekend was that for the kids in the in the village, instead of time out, instead of, you know, having punishments and that kind of thing, what they do is is called a rainbow salutation. And it's a practice they would all do every morning, you know, and then any time the kids were acting up, that that was like what they were called to do. And so with that, it's it's about kind of going in like almost like a sumo squat position, right? And then putting your hands in like prayer position over your heart and you're supposed to like, you know, find where north is and then, you know, s scoot over because you want to go north last, right? It's, Want to start was that east? I'm so out of directions. <laughs> east, okay. <laughs> so you go east, south, west, north, and they would put their hands down and and do a squat so that then their hands would come all the way down to their root, right? And the rainbow was the chakra system. Mm. So first, when they come up, they're supposed to connect and visualize with the red and their root chakra, the orange of their sacral chakra the yellow of their solar plexus, green of their heart, the blue of their throat, right? The violet of their third eye. What I also see is the white of the crown. Kids are limber. Yeah. Yes. I'm trying to show my daughter how to do that. <laughs> and I kept almost falling over because I'm like, I can't think of the colors fast enough. <laughs> I was starting to burn. <laughs> now, this isn't public school, is it? This is... Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say. One is... Sure. But yeah, so this is what they do. That is like what that's amazing. What their elder has everybody do. This is like a practice that they grow up with. That the children in particular do this, you know, and that's a teaching that he has. And so, 
with with Aurora, I was trying to, I'm like, okay, let's let's try something besides timeout. Let's try this. And she thinks it's super fun. <laughs> She's like more apt to do it than go sit on her bed sure. and quote, think about it, you know, is what we were taught to say to her. And um, but, and she likes the idea of, you know, so we tried to find like a shock or there's she there I'll say is disabled. Everything I told her is blessed. <laughs> <laughs> <Anything but> purple. <laughs> it is tough. It is tough. I I I I feel her pain. It screwed it screwed me up for a long time in this industry. There's no right or wrong. It's right. <laughs> Just you do that once in every direction. And so by the time you do that, you're recentered yeah, in your totally. soul, right? You've connected in with your energy, with, with your chakra system. You've it's to who you are. And you have to physically balance in my case to be able to squeeze <laughs> four times. It's intense work. So I'm gonna try that. If anyone's listening who's a teacher and wants to integrate this. Um, if you figure out how to westernize it so you're not burned at the stake, uh, lo- let us know because that's just that. Let's pretend. Let's pretend. The rainbow brick. Yeah, that sounds great. It's, you know, the nature's great. starting to like integrate just um, like small meditations yeah. with children and like focusing on their breath to help like calm children down and recenter them so i know a lot of teachers are starting to like incorporate that yeah using that umbrella of fullness or they'll give yeah. them a teddy bear to lay on their chest or their you know their heart center and they'll say to lay down and breathe into the teddy bear feel the teddy bear it's really just focusing on the heart yeah it's so cute i know it's so cute <laughs> And that's what I work with Aurora too. I say, okay, you know, you're feeling angry. Where does that, where do you feel that anger in your body? Because I think that is like of the way, you know, that we can start connecting in if you don't have experience or training in energy is to connect, connect emotions, physical yeah. first. So it doesn't just take over. There's, you know, there, we're just bred into the, the world or thrown into it. Um, and there's this extreme disconnect between what we feel and where it's actually coming from. Yeah. I think to even bring the slightest bit of awareness there is to, to already uh, begin to control that. And I think the physical body and the emotional body are, are things that we are already so practiced at working with like you know it's kind of like a more acceptable like normal thing oh my hip hurts right and then expanding out oh if you know what emotions come up when I think about my hip hurting you know and then like working in layers that way and then once you kind of get a better idea of your physical and your emotional body and then you can start extending out to you know the auric fields and and looking at what's out there but I think that a good practice is how do I how do I feel today? How does my physical body feel? I'm waking up. How does my physical body feel? Where is it tight? Where is it, you know, feel kind of stagnant or sticky or stuck, mm-hmm. you know, 
or even just analyzing our emotions. Yeah. And so they don't have total control over us. Right. Yeah. And saying, okay, I'm feeling angry. Where do I feel that in my body? Mm-hmm. Like what part of my body comes up? Because it's not even just a physical feeling. I always try to enforce for people like it doesn't have to be a total visual. It doesn't have to be a physical feeling like even just the idea of it you know Mm -hmm. what comes up in my awareness when you when we open up and ask a question and wait for the answer that's when you're you're doing spiritual work and many many times that that recognition is all it takes sometimes to shift it it or or, uh that's another uh western tendency that we have is to just you know if something comes up that's uncomfortable we completely try to yeah we we can yeah, you know, we shove it down. It's been sweet. <laughs> just, yeah, or, it's... yeah, we do, we disconnect from it, and um, and that's uh, you know, doing this work for for as long as I have. That's so, God, that's so the wrong way. It doesn't actually solve anything. No, it, just because you're not dealing it, with it in the moment can make it much much worse. Mm-hmm. And and I found that. Um, yeah, recognizing it, um, but you know, the, the the deeper I go, and the the more, uh, the further I go into understanding this kind of practice, is that um, you, the the further go, further you have to go, and the deeper you have to go into the issue, um, in order to really get any benefit um, or any kind of healing. Um, and so it's, it's really, it's really going into the pain rather than, um, the way out is through. Yeah. The way, there you go. Yeah, totally. I, that comes, that theme comes up more and more often in every aspect, uh, whether it be mentally, physically, or spiritually is, yeah, is, yeah exactly. We tend to store emotions and emotions we store um, very specific places. Um, they talk about it a lot in traditional Chinese medicine. Um, a lot of the practice is understanding how these emotions get stored in the body. So what they say is that how TCM was developed was monks would go out and meditate outdoors and understand how the elements work within the body and how they work with emotions how the elements flow, how the elements support each other, how they don't support each other. And they created the um, TCM philosophy, the traditional Chinese medical theory philosophy of the five element theory. So you have the five elements of water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. And each individual element has very specific things about them. So if you think about water, it's about like, going with the flow you think of a river and the river can be dammed up and things are stopped it could be raging and going too fast sometimes it's like bumping around rocks other times it's just calm and quiet and so when you think about that you can think about a lot of different things about like fear um so like water element has a lot to do with the emotion of fear and feeling stuck and afraid so a lot of times people that have anxiety issues usually is a water element issue because they're having that issue of going with the flow 
they're afraid of that what if what could happen you know and control issues yeah and then just kind of dams up that energy within the body um it can go all the way down from an emotional part of your body down to your physical part and it can start affecting things like your ears your bones um so it's very interesting that it can all go down into like the physical part of yourself they even have a Chinese clock of like when each individual organ starts to um, function at certain times. And so from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. tends to be the most active one. And this would be kidney and urinary bladder. Obviously, there's obvious reasons why that would be associated with water. So huh. um, so it's interesting. And they even have it down to you would usually like crave salty foods during this period like you want anything salty so seafood tends to be like a a good go-to for people that have like anxiety um and so then you have like the element of wood and you think about wood wood is about expanding and contracting right so if you if wood has too much water it expands and if it doesn't have enough, it starts to dry out and shrivel up. And you can think about this in the element of um, anger. So um, anger is definitely a part of wood. It's about expansion. It's holding that energy because we tend to hold onto anger. We don't tend to release it at all. So it kind of just shrivels up into our body and we just hold it there. And we never usually release it until it's like more of an explosive type of thing. And um, this emotion tends to associate with the um, craving of like sour things. Um, it also has a lot to do with your eyes and your tendons in your body. And it's associated with liver and gallbladder. And what's very fascinating is you can think about this in the sense of like people that tend to have a lot of anger issues tend to also have substance abuse issues. And so a lot of times when you see people who have been drinking heavily, you're seeing like a a moment of like a um, wood imbalance where that anger starts to come up, that emotion starts coming up and that emotion, you'll see that um, imbalance in there. So it's very fascinating in that um element tends to work between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. So a lot of times people that have that wood imbalance, they'll tend to wake up in the middle of the night, usually around 3 a.m. to use the restroom um, because that organ is functioning the most during that time. And then you have your heart and your heart has a lot to do with your blood vessels. It's um, about laughter. It's about joy. Um, and this is very much your fire element. And if you really think about it, that's very much like where our passion lies. It's where um, we feel our most emotions is in that heart center. And it's also a part of the small intestine. So it's a lot to do with digestion and things like that. And also just the blood. And so um, this organ functions the most between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. And so uh, they say the emotion that helps with it is laughing. And like usually if this element is out of balance, you have a lot of heat in the body. If it's out of balance in a deficient way, <laughs> so that's a good time to go get lunch with friends and laugh it out. Right. Bro. Well, like, 
That's morning for us. <laughs> Ever since I was a teenager, so it must have started around that time. I have to do some some teen <laughs> journey. To, Boys. What's fascinating too is it's associated with joy. So it's all about finding your passion again. Mm. So a lot of times if you think of the opposite of that, it's usually if this element, the emotion behind it of um, potentially losing your joy, losing your purpose. And so that definitely that makes sense. affects the heart. And so people that tend to have this imbalance, they need to bring that to bring lightness back to them, that laughter. That kind of brings us back to, what was it last week we were doing uh, purpose? Finding find purpose? Yeah, finding purpose, joy. Exactly. Yeah. Very much a heart. Anytime I get energy clearing in the heart center, as soon as that energy is removed, the energy that no longer serves me, anyway, um, I just bust out laughing. <laughs> and, and, and yes, and I always think, oh, it's because it made space for joy. Yeah. That my joy was blocked. I always thought that was a really interesting reaction that I had, but it makes sense since joy resides in the heart, according to TCM. Well, and I'll tell you what, I'm, you know, doing uh, entity clearings on um, even physical locations. One of the most powerful weapons we have is laughter. Uh, it's because it instantly raises the energetic vibration of the space and the individual. Um, yeah, I, I, I almost associate it to like clapping. It's it's such an instant shock, uh, instant energy changer. Uh, if you're able to manifest that, of course, the organic laughter is always the most powerful. But you know, there are you can fake it till you make it. Um, you could definitely yeah. laugh like bad mood. Yep. They say if you laugh like twenty times in a row when you're in a bad mood, it's gonna shift and it's gonna automatically make you happier, which is interesting. They say it's good for depression and things, just to force yourself to laugh and eventually you'll genuinely start laughing and then eventually it just shifts your consciousness. Yeah, years ago a big thing was was laughing classes or something. Yes. It's like they're so loud. There you go. We're like in our quiet massages the next door. You hear everybody just cracking for like a whole hour. It's really weird. Yeah, I remember my mom going to a couple, and she absolutely loved it. But you know, it was it was a fad for a while. It kind of yeah. died off. Yeah. Never heard of that. I've never went to it, but I definitely heard it. And so the level of like laughing, like it starts off just like light laughing but you you hear it with them that they genuinely start cracking up yeah. the laughter is contagious yeah and that's the whole well and they, they started and and you're not they're faking it yeah you know you just start and then by the end everybody's like genuinely laughing hysterically yeah uh, we have that saying too having a heavy heart right and so like in my experience in working with people with energy what i'm always led to express to them what i always channels through is about we, we, a lot of times will ask our hearts to be the record keepers of our lives, right? If you think about the first thing that people think about in their human experience is how it's infected their heart, right? Their feelings, love, lack of love, abandonment, you know, victimization, like friendships, like that's the kind of the most meaningful part of the human life, something that we associate a lot with being alive and whether we're happy or not, right? There's that, that search for happiness. So I find a lot of people 
think that, okay, well, I need to use my heart as like the record book of my life so I can remember the times that I need to protect my heart. If I keep all of that grief or that pain in my heart, then I'll remember how to keep myself safe, right? Or... And, and so I always feel led to express to them and encourage them to remember that there are record places in the divine, right? That whether it's the good book or the Akashic records or whatever your belief system is, that there's something, all systems come around the idea that there's something witnessing all of humanity and that all of our experiences are recorded, are seen. Every thought, every feeling, every, you know, moment of our life is already seen and recorded. And so we can release our hearts from that responsibility of holding our history. And that the heart ideal is a very, um, very, very old uh, Egyptian uh, parable mm. or understanding of... Um, the when you pass over from this life into the next life, um, you know the the your heart is weighed against uh, a feather, and if yeah. it's heavier than a feather, then you know you still have work to do. So you can't you can't tra- transition on into you know uh, the higher realms, um, and you get ferried across to the underworld or. Something like that. I can't remember the, all the, the. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I can remember it's the, the one that that weighs it. Yeah, against her feather. And so yeah, so it's all about just we don't we have this idea, this social conditioning, whatever it is, we have to hold. That's why we have so many you know, chest issues, lungs. Sure, the, Head, the thymus. Yeah. yeah, that if we can release all of that from from ourselves, allowing ourselves to say no. You know, I don't have to hold it in my heart because I have this divine connection that can connect into those memories. My soul is connected up to those records. So I will get that gut feeling when I need to remember something, right? That I don't have to hold it in my heart to remember how to keep myself safe or how to stay on my purpose or whatever it is that you can rely on your soul to give you those gut instincts and help guide you along the way. I like that you you take it back to the heart, because um, that 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 also is an extension. Of, that's an example of our um, our culture uh, or civilization kind of separating ourselves from our physical bodies, our emotions from um, the physical. Uh, if you look at theology uh, to the Egyptian times and you think about you know the heart being the thing that is weighed and to later you see our theology is um, is it, you know our deeds are written in a, in a book you know so, so suddenly we go from internal to the external and creating this this division this distinction that we're separate from those actions uh, rather than keeping it to the heart that's the thing that's recording. Um, I think that's an interesting uh, observation to see throughout time. Yeah, and they always say, like, anytime we're having, like, a physical, you know, the phantom pain, right? So anything with our physical body, too, that it's holding on to a memory, 
and energy. We are designed as human beings. We are designed to be routine to, you know, our humanness is all about survival and safety. And so through those memories of those experiences, through that energy holding on to that in some way, we believe it keeps us safe. So by releasing that and, and trusting that we can have the guidance that we need, then you can release it everywhere in your body, you know. You no longer have to have that that hip that that's tight that keeps you from moving forward in life because you didn't like how something went. You can release the headache, you know, the strain. And that's an empowerment that you can do yourself instead of, um, you know, we, we have our uh, Abrahamic religions that are, uh, you know, you, you want to ask for forgiveness or, you know, you need permission in order to release this and instead of empowering uh, the individual to to do it themselves. I mean, and not saying that one is wrong or, or not, but there are two different ways that I think society goes about uh, addressing those issues. Well, and it's interesting, too, because growing up in a very conservative Lutheran home, definitely the black sheep in the family. And, um, we all are. Right. <laughs> and um, I remember when I was getting certified as Reiki master and going through that whole initiation process, I remember mentioning it to my aunt who was then like, does God want you working on energy? Does God want you working on the energy field, the chakras? And um, it was interesting to hear it because it kind of threw me off because I'm like, well, of course, why would, why would God not want me to? And so it's interesting to like hear it in that way. There's like a lot of times a lot of fear behind just sure. even tapping into our own energy body and working with it because we're brought up in a culture that doesn't recognize it. And considers it to be just too out there. Um, anyone that does it, they're, you know, a little crazy. I think. Akin to witchcraft. Sure. They're yeah. witches or, you know, whatever it may be. And it's like, well, this, I believe, is what's causing a lot of disease. Yeah. What's causing a lot of mental illnesses is because it's a lot of unresolved energy that just has never been able to be fully released. Sometimes you can organically release things, but the chances of that is very slim. Um, because of the fact that it has to come to a completion process to be able to be genuinely released on its own organically. It needs to be acknowledged. Exactly. I literally had uh, a client today who said, you know, I I don't know if I should do this. And I was like, okay, well, you know, you know, maybe you're not ready for it. And they're like, well, I want to, but I'm Hispanic. And I'm like, okay, what is can you elaborate? And they're like, well, in my culture, you know, we don't mess with any of this. Do you? <laughs> like, I mean, it's just like, that's a you and a culture. But I think that's, you know, one of my friends, like she has a lot come up with that too. And she's a practitioner and, and whatever. But anytime, you know, her family's always like, oh, we don't touch it. And right. so then it Did you back to it all. Yeah. It's that human instinctive memory of, oh yeah, throughout time, people have really abused this information. Right. And, you yeah. know, they've really abused it. So we always talk about how there's been a suppression of it because of other sides of the power, but there's also been a massive abuses of this power over time. And so when you don't understand something, 
and you feel like you can't control it or that you could be victimized by it, then I think it's a normal human thing and probably kind of a smart thing to have a little fear about it if you don't understand. I was I was so shocked to hear, you know, her say Hispanic because I'm like some of my most favorite, you know, beautiful examples come from uh, uh, come from that tradition you know, of of especially in, in the spiritual realm. They're very vibrant color and and celebrating you know uh, Dia de los Muertos is I mean it's unbelievable. It's one of the very few places in the world that um, celebrates practice like that. Well, and I think it's funny because like the first time I ever did work on a different ant, um, I did a shamanic journey with. Before we even started, she's like, and we're not doing witchcraft, are we? Oh my God. We're we're getting Reiki, okay? (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of it's a lack of understanding, too. And that's okay. Yeah. But just ask for clarity. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's finding those teachable moments of awareness. Because we're talking about, you know, the number one way to get something to clear is to bring it to the light, to have an awareness and an understanding of it before you can actually release it. And so I think it's the same thing, just like with Reiki, you know, what I tell people is like, well, there's, you know, all kinds of energy. This is just how I look at it. General term for energy work. Yeah, it is. It's such a general energy work. I don't. I don't practice Reiki. Like I, I have Reiki master, you know, training. But there's just certain things like I get it and 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 I appreciate it. But it's not what comes from me when I, you know. And so, so I utilize it, you know, to a certain extent. But we incorporate a lot of different, like sacred geometry and Egyptians. Celtic. And you do what's authentic to you. You do what's authentic to you. Like same. PR. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And because just like consciousness at that time, also I think it helps that it's from Japan, right? We think of Japan and China as being the more in, you know, more enlightened, right? Like there's a certain aspect to, oh, this these people know something we don't know, you know, that's and so I think it made it safe. The idea that it came from there somehow made it safe because it's this old tradition and they're just a very traditional culture and they do everything the same for eternity, you know, and so it makes it but yeah, there's just so many ways of doing it. And so just finding what resonates with you, if you're going into that, finding someone who practices something that resonates with you yeah. is is a good gateway into it. And I would tell my friend that I used to practice with, you know, 10 years ago, I told her we make new age normal, you know, like we have corporate jobs, but we're, we're doing healing work as well, like at that time on the side. And, and that's our thing to make it approachable and normal and not so, you know, who <laughs> spooky and and different and once we can bring this to be that realization that you're literally made to do this this is just the way you're made this isn't some idea out there that's coming to shift and change your reality you know this is the reality it's just kind of an awakening and awareness to it and when it comes to like having that awareness you know that's the first step of empowerment and the first step of clearing and, and moving things is creating the awareness of what's in you. 
And sometimes that, like Kelly said, that's enough, you know, just having, or Matt might have said it, it's like that's sometimes that awareness yeah. is just enough. Mm-hmm. And so bringing my my mom stuff back in, that's the whole thing I tell clients all the time. Like you have your, you know, my my daughter, if, if she's like, mommy, 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 like the more I ignore, the more irritating she becomes. That's <laughs> <laughs> louder. Reminds me, she just starts like hitting Mommy. me. Mama. Mom. Mom. <laughs> Mom. Yeah, then she just tries to do other shit to get my attention. You know, it moves from positive, like seeking positive attention to very much like, I don't care what kind of attention you're going to give me, but you will acknowledge mm-hmm. me, you know. And, and so I think that that our energy is the same. Like if there is something that you're avoiding, it's going to just keep being more persistent and coming forward and more ways and and if you can get yourself to the point where you can say, take that fear of acknowledging it and working with it and that's that humanness accepting that fear is like yeah i'm just human and that's so normal for me to be hesitant or to have a fear because i don't know what's coming that's totally human totally normal totally fine i'm just i can always dip my toe in and try to see what's there and if i don't like it i can get the fuck out you know i don't have to do this right now if I don't want to, remembering that there's so much choice and so much grace in the experience too. So just tap in, see what you can find and then go back to it, you know, more and more. I've had clients that have had stuff come up in sessions with me and they're like, I'm just not ready. And I said, okay, absolutely. Let's go. Let's go somewhere else. Let's do something else. Let's just relax. Like I'm not here to force it. And then they'll do the work on the, I'll, I've taught them how to do it themselves. So then they go home and then they inevitably call me or email me and say, oh my God, I finally did it. I can't believe it. I've been, I had one lady 45 years. She'd been to countless therapists. She came in telling me, I will not get what I'm after. That's <laughs> not what I'm here for. And the yeah. work is us doing it. Yeah. We're just in passing that's fine with me you know <laughs> i don't care she just looked it's done today i said okay you won't what do you want to do you're the one that hired me what do you want to do mm-hmm. you know and she's like, well, maybe we'll just try. I was like, hey, we'll try. We'll see what comes up, you know. And, of course, immediately she goes, like, to the most intense thing. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> okay, there's no way. And it was, for her, it was seeing a trunk. You know, she she saw a trunk, a trunk that as a child she was, they were absolutely, unequivocally never allowed to touch. They mm. were to touch that trunk. They would get the crap beaten out of them. Like, it was just this thing. And so we worked on our approach to the trunk like okay why are you afraid of the trunk like what what emotions come up when you look at the trunk okay it's fear it's whatever okay well why you know and then asking okay why about that and why about that and kind of going down deeper and finally I said what the reality is if you chose to open the trunk what do you think is going to happen you know oh there's gonna be all this terrible stuff it's like things are way worse than I think they're going to be. There's all these family secrets in there, all this, you know, about. And for her, it was like her origin story, you know, like she didn't know it. And so there was just a lot of stuff in there. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so valid. Like that, you know, what if that is a possibility? How are you going to handle that? And so we went through kind of handling it. Well, you know, what would I do if I had that information? And it was the worst possible scenario. And 
And then she decided, you know, what would what could there she had it had never occurred to her it could be good. and she was like i just i can't i said okay great let's just listen do a sound bath instead so we switched over the last 30 minutes that she had scheduled with me we just did a sound bath and she went to all these amazing she was like oh my god that's what love sounds like i got to just float in space with just love oh that's great okay and I thought well we did what we did and then later she's like she called me and was like oh my god I went in there it was like a month or so later I got I opened it and it was beautiful and it was amazing oh. great things like oh you know where I come from is so great and I'm so great and she's like I cannot believe my husband is like really 40 years it's like she's like I'm finally a happy person because she let go of the, just the idea that there was something terrible that she didn't know where it was, what it was, you know, just that idea plagued her almost her entire life. You wow. Know? I mean, we have so many different examples of, of how that manifests itself. Uh, I mean, we even call it like uh, in, in small groups or collectively like the elephant in the room. And it it is an elephant until we talk about it and we realize it's no longer an elephant or it never was, you know, it was just the idea and the attachment that we had to it and how that uh, manifests itself uh, in your energy field. I mean, you can literally think about it as the elephant in the room with you, you know, you're feeling that. Uh, interfering with your your energy body, your auric field, or uh, your mind, your emotions, and and uh, eventually that can translate into uh, issues that you have physically in your body, or vice versa. Something physically in your body that you're not acknowledging becomes that elephant in the room, and then that in turn affects your your energy body your auric field and then you know your, your emotional body as well um so you know as within so without so those those things can work both ways um and a lot of times just acknowledging them even to the slightest degree uh can help shift that energy uh to a more positive or proactive uh realm way yeah. and and i do find that even when it's really intense things like severe abuse uh, that even still the ideas around it are far more intense than actually tapping into it and, and trying to go into it and clearing it you know whether that's through some type of imagery that it comes to you whether it's like feeling some of those feelings again whether it's like watching a story and witnessing you know just to acknowledge like talking to your, you know, your the, the version of you that went through that experience, that it, it even when it's something super extreme, war, working with people with that, it's it's usually the fear is still far more heightened, you know, than than the actual experience. It's not I'm saying it's easy, not easy to go through, but the fear is usually still even, you know, even more intense than actually going through it. And so 
I think another idea that's coming up too is that a lot of times we feel like we are, um, when we talk about energy, there's a lot of the idea of like energy vampires, energy attachments, like all these things outside of us that are attacking us, which is a reality. But I do find that the majority of crap in our energy is ideas. Ideas far more than it is like actual, it's energy created through ideas than it is like actual spiritual attacks and things mm-hmm. like that. True. I mean, you think about, you know, the, the most extreme energy vampire uh, would be like the possession, you know, and, and that's possessions like point one percent chance on the spectrum of of uh you know the things that are going to come up first or, or most yeah. commonly with people um but sometimes just that idea of even knowing that that you know has a the remote possibility becomes the 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 fear behind that becomes something that's even worse than you know what could potentially happen or the energy you're sending to the idea right. that that's what's going on right so the good news about that is that's kind of in your own control right like a lot of the stuff that we experience energetically is within our control and so um we can be empowered to move forward with it So we talked about, um, you know, there are attachments like energetic cords that we have between ourselves and other people, right? That that's a way that energy can move out of ourselves is if we're sending that energy through our thoughts, awareness, emotions to, to other people, other experiences, things in the past. And so then we look at, okay, working with your energy, how helping to clear your energy. We already talked a little bit about like journeying. We mm-hmm. talked about Reiki, you know, visualizations, meditations. But there's also that typical practice of clearing and grounding, right? So does anybody have like a what do the what do y'all do to kind of tap into your own energy? What's like a like a five minute practice that you can do every day just to kind of center and ground and clear? Yeah, even just smudging, saging yourself or your space. If you feel energetically gunked up or whatever, need kind of a fresh start. That's that's super easy. Anybody can do it. Very almost quick. anywhere. Yeah. Very quick. Yeah, yeah. And we've, I mean, we've been doing it for forever as a species. It's 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 more of an instant, <laughs> an instant sort of gratifying mm-hmm. uh, experience uh, rather than doing. Um, in internal kind of um, cleanse or sweep of your own energy, or like a whole shamanic journey, which yeah, you know, yeah. will take time, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just an easy way to shift your energy, or even sounds, music, you know, ringing a bell, or like we we're talking about, you know, even clapping or yeah, laughing. Sure. Yeah, just something to get yourself out of whatever energetic space you find yourself not wanting to be in. Well, and I think it can be as simple as just going outside with bare feet and just putting your feet in the dirt, yeah. putting your hands in the dirt with it. That's a very good way to ground, but also to clear. Uh, sure. Just, 
Oh, totally. Puts you back in your body. Yeah. Um, and that's always a very cleansing, energetic thing for me, too. I always just imagine the water that's flowing over me just washing away all of the energies, too, and then just sending that out in a way. I know um, for when I'm teaching massage therapists, I teach them that as they're washing their hands to imagine sending whatever energy of that client that they were working on out by just washing their hands yeah. and washing it out mm-hmm. that way. Um, and so it could be very simple. It doesn't have to be anything like super crazy. Um, I mean, you could still do energy work or shamanic work to get it done. I notice if I'm in like a little bit of a funk and my energy needs to shift, I will kind of do like a vortex around me of energy. I'll spin my energy around myself just to break that energy and reset it. And so um, that tends to be a practice that I tend to do to put myself back in check, especially if I'm in mood. (laughs) Yeah, I do a lot of golden light is what comes to me a lot. Just, you know, either sparkling, like the word that always comes to me is effervescent. You know, when I see the crown chakra, that's what I see is like this effervescent sparkling light coming down. So sometimes if I want divine light to come and just kind of cleanse me down, you know, that that's all envision that light coming down. Or if I want it to be my own divine essence, I see that as a golden light. So kind of bringing, embodying myself more, like bringing more of my divine self into the physical body so that I can feel more grounded and rooted in in my physical body and allowing that to kind of clear out just all the gunk. I think that's what we're all kind of getting. Like it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not like your your childhood wound is going to clear if you smudge or put light in it, you know, right. but, but at least like that's a good base place to start doing deeper work if you wanted to or just to like just for that moment, you know, to to feel a little bit more clear and more grounded and then and then just going in asking. I think it's as simple as asking questions. Doing energy work is is a lot of it just starting off, especially on you have to start with yourself before you start working on others. And it starts with just asking those questions and testing out the answers that come, you know. Yeah. Just like with that client um, with the trunk. Yeah. The way that that it reminded me of a technique that I think it was in Eckhart Tolle's book where you look at the emotion for her. It was the fear the crippling fear of what is in that trunk and you analyze it kind of like a scientist kind of like what is in that trunk is the most interesting thing in the world to her and she needs to get to the bottom of it and that kind of takes you out of the emotional you know the anxiety the fear kind of takes you out of that spiral yeah and it helps you get to really understand that those emotions relatable it's more relatable yeah those emotions don't really have power over you and and she got to the other side of it yeah and it it really wasn't where she thought it was going to be where she thought it was going to take her yeah it's like that devil's advocate thing right so anytime you're having you know like with somebody what something i used to do was okay if i'm having a really big problem with somebody then like saying okay I have them pigeonholed in my mind right now and my emotions as being a real asshole. <laughs> like this is like, there is no, they have no choice, like salvation. There's nothing that could save them for me in this moment. Like I just, I can't. And then trying to get myself to the place where, but what if, you know, like we talked, I think we've talked before that Tibetan Buddhism thing about the newborn baby, right? What if I could see them with true compassion, which 
a lot of people, you know, that visualization that comes up is seeing them as a newborn baby because that's our our true innocence and essence, right? Mm-hmm. What if I could see them that way or see them as somebody's child, you know, or see, like, try to find their innocence? How does that change the way that I approach them? You know, how, if this situation, if, if it wasn't going to be the worst case scenario, what if it was the best case scenario? What would, you know, there's just so many ways, like just challenging yourself. And it's kind of a druidic, like what, what I understand as being druidic is like that philosophy aspect. Like they were very scholarly when it came to a lot of things, you know, that was their meditation. It was like a scholarly, you know, research and journaling and like, and so kind of playing around with the different ideas and seeing what feels most true. Yeah, it's uh, just a shift of perspective. Um, and moving it to evolve. And getting, yeah, getting out of that thought process um, or current uh, thought form. Uh, so, you know, and we have different ways of doing that and different ways of expressing that, of, of how to do that for for other people, uh, you know, that's you know, putting on someone else's shoes or walking a mile in someone else's shoes or, um, you know, seeing it from their side, you know, and, and sometimes those things aren't always as achievable as, you know, as we would like them to be. So, yeah, envisioning them um, as a child or how you would speak to a, to a child uh, in the same situation or... Um, I think I, I touched on it uh, in another one of the podcasts. Uh, the thought experiment that I like to do is to the the duality, the the hermetic principles um, that you know if if something on the spectrum exists in in one aspect, then the equal and opposite thing must also exist. And to try to think about that and experience that, and then um, you know see what's more relatable to you and. And how you can find the the shades of gray in between. And I think not rushing to the answer too. It's something I talked with one of my clients with today. I was like, you know, all this stuff came forward for you today. And it was a lot. And it was a lot of it was like the way that she looks at herself. And so, you know, I said, just just marinate with this stuff, like let it rest with you. So usually for me, like three days is a good amount of time because it'll evolve so much because all the layers will come up. All these different emotions will come up, all these different memories about that, that feeling or, you know, that thought I'll be able to get through it deeper and deeper. And it's not something you have to force, you know, it's something that you can just allow to like find yourself a safe feeling safe as you can in the experience and just allowing what comes up and allowing it to evolve and not feeling like you have to resolve it within a couple of hours or like even a couple of days because sometimes we get this pressure like I'm just so over this like I don't want to do this anymore I'm tired of feeling this way I'm tired of being you know tired and stressed and angry or sad or whatever it is but the more that you can just let it flow and and see it as something kind of happening outside of you and not so much your identity, you know, like I'm not an upset person right now. I just feeling upset. Like there's something that ha- is upsetting that's going on right now. I'm going to let that kind of sit over here and watch that process evolve and transform. And then the rest of me is going to go on with my life, you know, and um, that's something that we do in, in, in journeying 
uh, you know, we're placing energy in a box and a lot of time it, it's not to be destroyed, but it's to save it for later. Yeah. Um, so, or, or in uh, Yoga Nidra, I know a, a, uh, a practice is also is uh, imagining whatever is bothering you in a bubble and then just sending that bubble away and, and asking that bubble to come back to you at a better time. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think a lot of times, especially as like energy practitioners, we tend to just want to dig right in and get it over and done with, especially if we've been doing a lot of shadow work for a long time. And um, it's kind of the mindset of like the same thing as balances in their body fixing you to fix yeah (laughs) like it's it's not that easy um you should be patient with yourself and understand that there's going to be layers to it and you just have to slowly work through it and integrate what oh great cut layer yes onion the onion kelly's favorite (laughs) but yeah so just just having a lot of grace and patience and seeing it as a journey and evolution and honest something that you have to get done right away to be this certain person to be at this certain place at this certain time i think that that helps a lot with moving energy is having some patience and grace well thank you all for listening to our podcast today about the energy body you can find our show notes and different resources on our social media channels, connections to all of our separate websites as well. We'll have to do another podcast. Um, I'm sure we'll touch again. I know we didn't go in too much depth about uh, the chakras, what each chakra, you know, represents and and the different holding patterns uh, in the bodies uh, as associated with energies. Uh, so maybe we'll, we'll do an, we go more in depth on that. It's a little more curriculum intense rather than podcast. <laughs> so, so maybe we can do some resources on it instead. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, we can yeah, we can post some resources. Yeah. Good idea. Whatever happens this will have to link in our as well. Yeah, if you want us to touch on a subject or dive into something in acute detail. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Peace. All of the information shared on this podcast is for educational purposes only, based on personal experience. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any form of mental or physical illness. Please consult a medical professional before using any advice given during this podcast. Thank you, and blessed be.